All right, confession time. How many of you have already started watching Christmas movies? It's November 12th, and if you're anything like us, you've already watched Home Alone 1 and 2 a couple times. And maybe you've seen my favorite one, A Christmas Story, with the, the boy Ralphie and the Red Rider BB gun. If you haven't, you need to. But there is this scene in the movie where Ralphie is walking home He's had this bully that's kind of pestered him for a while and this bully and his little sidekick are following him and taunting him, teasing him, and finally he just gets so fed up with it. He turns around and (laughs) screams and something comes over him, this rage comes over him, and he aggressively just starts beating this kid to a pulp. And, you know, the the mama bear in me is just, you know, cheering Ralphie on like, yeah, get him. But you can see the rage in his face, the tears, the frustration, and just the inability to stop what he's doing. Someone has to come and lift him off. I think it's his mom. Come and lift him off of the bully. And by then, the bully's nose is all bloody and the guy runs away. And while it might look like finally he stood up for himself, there's something in his face. And when he sees his mom pulling him off of him, he turns around and cries and hugs her. It's really a a great visual of something called the shame rage cycle. And it's, it's whenever these aggressive actions like that or words are coming from really a place of avoidance. Sure, maybe we reach a threshold when we feel angry and we just can't take it anymore. But something like this is typically a response to wanting to avoid the feelings, the negative feelings of shame that shame can bring or humiliation. And in this case, Ralphie was sick and tired of being shamed and teased and wanted to avoid those negative feelings of being picked on. And so he turned to a rage and so he was caught up in that shame rage cycle. There's another response to shame that you might be familiar with, and that's the Adam and Eve story. I was reading it with my sons this morning in our Bible lesson, and we were reading about, um, we'd already read the part where Adam and Eve had hidden from God in the Garden of Eden after they had sinned, and God was walking around asking where they were. But then this was the part where God had clothed their shame with animal skins. There was a sacrifice. He had to kill an animal, and clothe them and then he had to kick them out of the garden of Eden and wherever there was that sin there needed to be punishment or some kind of sacrifice and so he kicked them out and he put a cherubim there with a flaming sword so that they could never come back and there was this disconnect there was this broken relationship between Adam and Eve and God and whenever we react to shame that way, there is that disconnect and that damage, that lack of connection. There's two different types of reactions to shame that I mentioned here and similar outcomes, both sort of out of this self-protection, either hiding to protect ourselves or enraging to protect ourselves. And in a marriage, this can be extremely destructive So today we're going to break it down and learn how to heal from shame 
and have emotional wellness so that we can restore and increase that connection with our husbands. Go grab your coffee and get ready because here we go. This isn't a game of ding dong ditch and don't worry, I'm not a solar panel salesman. I'm just here to see you friend. Whether you have spit up stains and cluttered counters or you're still in your heels from work and just getting dinner started, take a minute and come sit with me. Welcome to the JAR podcast with your host Lydia, certified teacher, homeschool boy mom, oh lord help me, and marriage ministry leader bringing you tough lessons from my own journey to soul health and wholeness. Together each week we'll discuss our struggles, pain, and shame. We'll combat labels and lies with biblical truth, and we'll work through our mess and come out stronger, more confident, and rooted in our identity in Christ. So move your pile of laundry over. Better yet, let me help you fold it while we talk. Thanks for letting me in. Now let's get real. Especially since we're talking about the topic of shame today, and shame is something that is just so isolating and disconnecting, I really want you to feel reconnected and not alone in this struggle. And so come join us in the Christian Wife and Marriage Community on Facebook. I'm going to link it in my show notes. But you can also go to Facebook and click on the search bar and type in Christian Wife and Marriage Community and come join us in there. We talk about real issues like shame and we encourage each other, but we also have fun and laugh and find some motivation. So come on over and join us. Okay, let's dive in here. When we think of shame, we typically think of something embarrassing or humiliating, maybe turning bright red or getting angry because we don't want to be made fun of. Shame is something that, if it's left unhealed, can cause so much damage to not only ourselves, in our own emotional, physical, spiritual well-being, but also in our marriage and in the unity that we're supposed to have with our husbands, it can really cause a divide. So quickly, I want to clear up that shame is, is different than guilt. Guilt is feeling badly about something that you did, and shame is feeling bad about who you are. It's an identity issue, and it either originates from our own sin, such as with Adam and Eve and the sin that they committed and it was brought on or brought upon themselves, or it's trauma done to us and how we respond toward that trauma, like with Ralphie and being traumatized by the bullying. Shame is really an identity issue here with feeling badly about who we are. We aren't good enough. We always get picked on. There's something innately wrong with who we are. And it makes us want to hide. It makes us want to lash out. It causes us to distance ourselves from other people to avoid the people causing that trauma or to avoid people because we caused something and we feel like we don't belong. And it also divides us in our relationship from God. And we put up this wall to, in our defense, protect ourselves when really it's causing even more damage to ourselves and our relationships. So a result of that is weakened emotional connections with our husbands. 
and it really can threaten that relationship and it sort of affect the overall intimacy and connection that you have or should be working towards. Brene Brown, who is a researcher on shame, you've probably heard of some of her books, she says that shame makes someone feel trapped, powerless, and isolated. And I can tell you in my darkest times and at my lowest lows where I was just in a ball of shame, I felt that way. I felt trapped, like how do I get out of this? Powerless, I have absolutely no strength or abilities to do anything to undo what I've done or to overcome this. And that left me feeling pretty isolated. Like, who else can possibly help me? I'm beyond help, and I'm all alone in this. And so, really, that emotional weakness can make you feel alone and hidden, and it causes you to hide from your spouse or feel like you're alone in this struggle and you're not connected with them, and it's not something that you and him can overcome together. And so you push him aside or you push against him, you push him away. Those tactics of either shame raging or hiding in your shame end up pushing your spouse further and further away. And it's all rooted in this feeling of shame. So how, how do we possibly overcome that? I have quite a few other episodes on shame because it's just one of the main things that this whole podcast is about. It's about battling that shame. And battling is fighting. It's not a one and done deal. It's an ongoing process. And so even if you've heard some of the other episodes on it, like episode um, 18 called Feeling Small, Invisible, or Unworthy, Kick Shame to the Curb with These Two Tips, I dive a little deeper into being vulnerable and that's one tactic and we're going to touch on that here in a second but just in general it's something that um really is kind of continual work it's not something that you can just go okay well so glad to be done with that shame never gonna have to face that again it it will come up at the oddest times or there will be these triggers that happen and so one of the ways to heal from shame is to acknowledge it Name it for what it is. Call the ugly monster by its name. Don't uh, downplay it. Don't pretend that it doesn't exist. And when, you know, shame raging is happening or when you're hiding in shame, acknowledge that you're doing it. Or after the fact, you might recognize it a little bit too late in the beginning until healing happens a little bit more and you can start to, to feel when it's coming. But regardless, there needs to be a starting point in acknowledging it. Recognize the feeling and give it a name. Put a voice to it. Because when you can identify something, that's when you can deal with it. You have to identify in order to deal. So part of it is understanding and naming what your shame triggers are. So for example, it could be something kind of as small. (laughs) It doesn't feel small in the moment because I've had this happen to me, trust me. Something small like when your husband comes home from work and looks around the house and there's toys and dishes and kids running around and maybe you still have your mom bun and you're in your PJs and he says, what'd you do all day? (laughs) Oh gosh, we've grown a lot since then. 
But, you know, that's definitely a trigger for shame. At least if you're anything like me, where suddenly you have these feelings of, I'm not good enough as a stay-at-home mom. There's something innately wrong with me. I'm not good at this. Or maybe there's um, a trigger of, maybe you're in the middle of a dispute and he grabs his keys and leaves the house in the middle of it. And that triggers your shame of abandonment from childhood where a parent would disengage or be absent or leave or traumatically just abandon you. And that definitely triggers that feeling of shame and you want to just hide and shut down and feel isolated and and not deal with it. Or something as big as in the middle of an argument, your husband throwing a past sin in your face and it brings up that really dark time and the shame that you felt back then that maybe you thought was gone. Maybe you thought you worked through it, but it causes you to kind of crawl back into this depressive state where you disconnect, you put your wall up, you become distant and dysfunctional. And whether that looks like the silent treatment or it looks like you just pretending everything is fine because you just don't want to face it. But again, that comes down to innately feeling like something's wrong with you. This keeps coming up. He doesn't love me for who I am. He sees me for my past And that shame leads to a disconnect. But to be honest, that those reactions are on us. And I know that can sound harsh, especially if it's a trauma that was caused to you and not something that you yourself did to bring on the shame. But it's also kind of um, encouraging and motivating because you don't have to stay there and you don't have to keep dealing with it the same way that you have in the past. You don't have to keep having the same reactions and responses. You can do something different. And so we'll get there in a second. But the next thing that can help you heal from this shame feeling is to observe it um, objectively with no judgment. You can be honest and open and upfront about your triggers about the source of your shame. And so if you go back and listen to episode 18, that's where I kind of walk you through how to be vulnerable in your communication with your husband about this, about these feelings. But in general, you can just decide what you will allow to get to you. You have the ability to kind of determine when this comes up, I'm not going to let that get to me the same way that it used to. Or you can kind of build that resiliency, that emotional resiliency, and make your own decision. From now on, maybe I used to react this way because this person did this to me. Well, I recognize it for what it is. I'm calling it out for what it is, and I'm going to decide to react this way. When my husband comes home and says, what did you do all day? Instead of sinking into a shameful depression and feeling disconnected from him, I'm going to take a moment, pray, gather my thoughts, and then I'm going to tell him how that comment makes me feel. And hopefully you're met with a a kind response and a genuine desire to change and say something different to you. And even if it doesn't happen, you can still decide to 
operate differently. You can feel the shame coming. You can feel that that pit in your stomach, that that heat rising all the way up to your throat. And when you feel that coming, you can decide to act in this new way. You can retrain your brain to respond differently. And if you go back to episode, I think it's number... Oh, I don't remember the number, but it's the one with my guest, Dub Jones. He was my counselor um, years and years ago, and he walks you through how to shift your mindset and retrain your brain to respond differently. And so there's two episodes there that can help um, this further. But, but what you can start with is coming up with a different response. And the more you do it, the more that you are determined and respond to something differently, the easier it will become to do that. Practice makes progress, not perfection. It will take practice to be vulnerable, to say, no, I'm not going to go back to feeling that way. I am moving forward. I'm looking ahead. I know that I'm who I am in Christ Jesus. I know that I'm healed. I know that I'm whole. I know that he has reclaimed me and I am set free in the truth. And I'm walking with him so I can respond differently in that freedom. But how, how can we really do this? I mean, it sounds good, sounds great, but what is the underlying foundation that we can stand on for this? What is the truth behind it? And the real antidote is forgiveness and empathy that Jesus Christ himself modeled for us. And I think of the times when Jesus met with the woman at the well or when Jesus touched the leper and healed him when nobody would have dared even go near the leper. They had their own little tent cities and camps because they were so unclean for society and Jesus had empathy and compassion. I think about the woman who washed his feet with oil and poured out all of that expensive perfume on his feet and he let her with this horrible reputation get so close to him. So really it comes down to looking looking through the lens of compassion at ourselves, at maybe someone else who's going through the feelings of shame, looking at ourselves with compassion through the eyes of Christ and thinking, I'm, I'm hurting, I'm reacting out of my, my hurt, my shame, my, my past pain. I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared that I'm going to go back to functioning that way or that these feelings are going to pull me back in and draw me back in. And, or I'm scared of something happening again. It's a protective measure and I'm, I'm scared, so I'm just going to get angry and shut everybody out. I'm holding my own sins against myself. I go back to self-sabotage or berating myself because of what I did in my past every time my husband brings it up. And we forget what it says in Psalm 103. And I'm going to read to you Psalm 103 because it is, I don't know how you can read it and not be changed. My son is memorizing the entire thing. He's already memorized it in chunks and we're now working on putting it all together. And today he was writing it out and (laughs) I had given it to him as a disciplinary measure for complaining about having to write something in a full sentence. 
So I'm kind of the tough love mom. And I said, well, you can write out your whole Bible verse, all 22 verses then, and not complain about having to write one simple sentence again. And of course, at first he thought it was horrible. But then later on, he said, mom, I'm writing out Psalm 103 and it's really helping. (laughs) Oh, goodness. It's definitely a good way to memorize is writing it out. So whether you want to read it over again after this or listen to it on the Bible app or write it out, it will help you understand just how meaningful this is and just what God did for us and how it helps us to conquer shame. All right, so I've got it pulled up here. It says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, So far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion to those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone, and and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, The Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones doing his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts and his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Isn't that incredible? I mean, just to understand how compassionate and slow to anger and forgiving God is, that is what allows us to reprogram, to retrain, to respond differently, to recognize our shame and stare it down in the face because of the healing that the Lord has already provided and because of who he is not who we think we are, who we think we're not, because he loves us. We can walk in that freedom. We can walk in that freedom from that shame that just wants to suck us back in. We don't have to let it. So you don't have to let it divide and and put up walls and disconnect you from your husband anymore. You can make a different decision. You can respond differently and no, it's not going to be perfect. And yes, you will still throw up your walls and still push him away and still distance yourself. It's a process, but I I encourage you every time that you feel yourself going there, go to Psalm 103. Open your Bible, pull up the app and read it. Just read the whole thing and let God's word remind you about and, and 
put that lens on your eyes to view this through his compassion, through his love, and let it change the way that you connect with your husband. Be willing to be vulnerable. Be willing to express what those triggers are. Be willing to to tell him how things affect you and be willing to operate differently. Even if he says something that wants to pull you back into your shame, being able to read Psalm 103 and then walk downstairs and face him and not have it divide you and have you stay hidden in your room or raging at him and yelling and screaming because you're trying to protect your heart, the Lord can protect your heart. And he is compassionate and showing grace to you and loves you and has forgiven you. So walk in that freedom, girl. And don't forget to come join us in the Christian Wife and Marriage Community Group on Facebook. We'll keep talking about topics like this, about shame, how to encourage each other and grow. I'll see you next time. Loads of love, Lydia. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. I'll see you next Saturday, same time, same place.